Hi, everybody. Welcome to Artifice episode 121. We are officially in March, which is blowing my mind. It feels like the, you know, New Year's Day was like last week. Um, the time is just flying away. Um, in terms of news, I have a brand new single coming out next week, March 11th. Um, I think it's like the sexiest song on my new record. So, uh, you know, be excited for that. It'll be out on March 11th. But if you want to get it a week early, all you got to do is join my mailing list by like today, I guess. Um, I'm sending I'm sending the single out a week early um, to my mailing list. I guess it'll be a week in two days, but I'm sending it out tomorrow. So if you're hearing this right now, go ahead and uh, go to my website, which is emilymerrillmusic.com and sign up and you can get the single a week earlier. It's called Closer to You and it is really something. It's a hybrid of many things and I'm really excited for the world to hear it. Um, that's my only announcement. For today's episode, I have a guest who I've known for several years, um, but mostly, uh, so I met Ryan, um, gosh, like eight years ago now, um, but I met him because I was teaching singing lessons to his daughter, Asia, who I'll have on the podcast at some time. She's incredible. She's just absolutely brilliant. <clears throat> um, and I think I met their family right around the time that Ryan was transitioning into being a full-time musician. Um, and, uh, we've been in touch ever since then. They spent several years in France during the middle of that time. Anyway, um, just a really cool family and Ryan has a great story and I'm, and we get into some stuff in this episode that I feel strongly about. <laughs> we talk about like, uh, you know, what it means to be, um, an artist, like what the purpose of it, you know, how to kind of, um, reconcile your own identity and your own motivations for making art. And then we talk a lot about, um, how society values or, or doesn't value art. And, um, yeah, I think, I think we articulate some things that are often difficult to articulate. So if that sounds good, uh, hopefully you're looking forward. And before I start the episode, oh, I'm always kicking this thing that's under my desk. <clears throat> I have my feet sitting on um, some bongos right now because there are just bongos under my desk. Um, anyway, uh, what was I saying? Oh, I want to introduce you to Ryan. Duh. Okay, here's Ryan's bio. Raised in Salt Lake City, Stewart says his mother is his inspiration. A classically trained pianist herself, she wanted to share her love of music with her children. Sadly, she passed away from breast cancer when Ryan was just 13. He says this was a poignant moment in his life when he realized the gift she had given to him. He said, as a teenager, I missed her and I would sit at the piano and play and think about her. His father encouraged him to continue to pursuing his talent. After graduating from high school, Stewart was awarded the full-ride scholarship in music to the University of Utah. <clears throat> Excuse me, I'm still like kind of recovering from this cold that I had a couple weeks ago or last week. Um, he perfected his piano skills as he studied, played, and taught piano lessons. He especially enjoyed teaching students with an affinity for composition and songwriting. Although Stewart eventually left the music department and pursued a career in computers, he never lost his desire to compose and play the instrument he loves. Today he does music full-time, and his passion has become something his wife Cindy and their three children cherish when spending time together. Ryan's greatest ambition is, continue, is to continue 
sorry, is to combine his love of music, computers, and traveling to create compositions for fans around the world. He has a gift for orchestrating just about anything, beginning with a concerto he wrote at the age of 17. We talk about it lots in this episode. He has composed and arranged music for film documentaries, cellist Stephen S. Nelson um, from The Piano Guys, Paul Cardall, Facebook, um, several dance studios, and a lo- and other credits as well. Um, again, Ryan is just an incredible guy and a great musician and um, yeah, has great thoughts about uh, being an artist and... Uh, I think it'll be right up your alley. So without further ado, here comes my conversation with Ryan Stewart. Enjoy. Great art almost feels like magic. It opens our minds to brand new ideas and teaches us to see ourselves and our world more clearly. Of course, behind all great art, there are artists. And I think that's where the real magic happens. As we go beneath the art itself to explore how artists do what they do, we see glimpses of the sorts of creativity and resilience that lead to the art that moves our world. And maybe we can learn to borrow some of that magic for our own thinking. That's the goal here. And now that we're on the same page, let's dive in. I'm Emily Merrill, and this is Artifice. Today might follow you up, and he might stay here. I guess we'll see. Well, he's so cute! I know, he's a sweetheart. Yeah, he's a beautiful dog. Okay, we'll have fun, you guys. We will. Yeah. Okay. Do you have any see questions before we start? No, I mean, I, w- I went through... You got my prompts. Yeah, that's great. Just to have some ideas for things to discuss. Yeah, we yeah. can talk about kind of whatever. Yeah. Like, because, yeah. you know, I want it to be like, obviously I want to talk most about like your life and your work, but we can also just philosophize about like any art and music and creativity things. Anything no, that's you want to chat about, we can chat about. Okay. So I, I usually start with, um, I like to talk about people's childhoods. I'm like obsessed. <laughs> so what were you like as a creative child? Like what evidence was there when you were little that you were a sparkly creative? Well, I, as a child, I really wasn't interested much in doing music, doing anything with yeah. music. I enjoyed listening to it, I guess, yeah. you know, at minimum. But on the other hand, uh, you know, I saw my mother was a classical trained pianist okay. and organist. Cool. It's just amazing in her own right. And um, are you from here? Uh-huh. Born okay. and raised in Salt Lake. Okay, cool. Uh, so, yeah, this is my stomping grounds. Glad to be back. Yeah. Um, I uh, was expected to play lots of piano. Okay. You know, my mom wanted me, like all the rest of us, siblings to where are you in like a birth order oh wow so you know speaking of utah salt lake uh this is the the many siblings a big family uh so there's 10 of us okay so i'm number seven okay to the youngest cool uh and so there's three more after me but we were all expected while my mom was alive uh to play an instrument okay and she just decided, you know, you're going to play piano. Your older brother, who's a year and a half or a little less than a year and a half older than me, he played piano and boy, he was doing really well at piano. He loved it. And wow. she's expecting me to do piano and I didn't want anything to do with That's it. So funny. I, just, I just wanted to be outdoors yeah. like oh, any other kid at that age. Right. Just, so what age did you start piano? About seven, seven and a half. Okay, that's mm-hmm. yeah, pretty yeah. young. Yeah. Not quite as young as like Suzuki, but pretty yeah. young. Yeah, I, um, I think I fought her, you know, a lot, and she's just, uh, you know, like she's got ten kids, so she has to pick and choose her battles. This right? is one thing that I found to be so interesting with a lot of the guests that I've interviewed here in Utah. I don't think it's that normal for like all of my kids take piano lessons to be mm-hmm. like 
Like, I think that's very culturally, like, LDS. It is, yes, um, absolutely. Most kids, I think, who, like, you know, have a, a predisposition toward music have to, like, request, like, lessons of their parents. Mm-hmm. So it it it's an interesting narrative, I think, to talk about, like, you know, your relationship with creativity. Like, I think a lot of children, by the time they're starting piano lessons, like, they know they want to be in piano lessons. And that's not, I mean, that wasn't the case yeah, for me at, either. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe like, I'm, I'm really interested in like the ways in which creativity like does or doesn't uh, necessarily have anything to do with like the arts or like our art skills. Um, do, are any of your other siblings like artists now? Yeah, so they, you know, a lot of them, they have a deep passion for music, of course, because being raised in a home where, you know, music is, you know, being played every day. We'd hear the beautiful piano when waking up in the morning. My mother would play some song. We even had a specific song she would play to wake everybody up. And that was our clue. We had to run. Yeah, exactly. It was a ritual. We had to run down and meet all in the living room as a family, you know, and being born and raised in an LDS home, you know, we would pray and she would, yeah. uh, she was very religious. Uh, yeah. she would, uh, have us quote, or read some passage from the Bible or, you know, whatever, yeah. uh, scriptures, you know, scriptures. Right. Yeah. And, um, so, I mean, it's, it was an everyday event, Yeah, all the music and we'd hear her practicing for hours. So although I didn't want to play the piano at the time, I was very, uh, inspired yeah. and became hearing this music every day in our house. Yeah. You know, that's one thing I love talking about with my guests is like, you know, before your skills began, like, how are you, you know, a, a consuming art, um, whether it's, you know, stories or cartoons or books. Right. Um, uh, so yeah, like maybe, maybe before you started your like battle with piano lessons, um, you already had a love for music. Did you, do you feel in retrospect? And I know memory is like very, it's not real some of the time, yeah. but, um, but do, in retrospect, do you think that you, um, were developing a relationship with music that was maybe different from any of your siblings or different from other kids? That's a good question. That's a really good question. And and I hope my memory does serve me well in this instance. But it, although I loved playing, uh, I mean, although I loved hearing my mother play yeah. and um, seeing the other kids play, I, I didn't want to do that. But I enjoyed laying under the piano yeah. and literally ingesting it, listening to it. Yeah. And I was enthralled with that. Yeah. In your, through the, through the ground. Right. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. And, and so I'm not sure if, uh, it set me apart from my other siblings in, in some way. And, you know, because we, of course we're all musical. We all have that. I think that, that desire to try to create something. We'll sit down together, Mm. even when we just get together, you know, for a family get together. Yeah. Sometimes my younger sister will bring her violin. Yeah. We'll just sit down and write something. Write something. Cool. Or uh, my my oldest sister, you know, she played violin and flute and, you know, it's like we just we just naturally it's kind of I guess by because of how we were raised. Yeah. Just just get together and 
if we feel free, there's no awesome. constraint, no restrictions well, to just write. I even feel like that's a little <laughs> bit different than like, you know, a lot of families that are musical will maybe sit down and read music together, but to sit down and compose together feels like a little bit different. Like yeah. it's creative in a different way. So yeah. Um, again, like maybe before piano, before you started taking lessons or before, you know, I don't know, did you, were you doing any, like, was your play creative? Um, did you like to draw, write stories? And it's okay if not, but it's yeah, so no, I'd that's like a good question. Know. I I did enjoy drawing. Cool. I I was fascinated with comic books. I collected comics. Yeah, it's a and common. A lot of my guests say exactly. like they and, loved comic books. Yeah, and cartoons, and so I wanted to draw. In I was never really good at it, but I enjoyed, you know, sitting down with a piece of paper. It was my, I guess my, my way of escaping everything yeah. else. So I'd start drawing. Uh, I started drawing superhero characters and cars and cool. you know other objects, and it was really fun. That's so great. I guess that would be the first thing. I just felt like it was a, a period where I can just do whatever I want. Yeah, I'm not being told what to do. Uh, I don't have to do homework. I'm just drawing, drawing yeah. whatever I feel like. Yeah, I love capturing stories of like our earliest relationship with creativity being like a like a like a an activity in and of itself. Yeah, like exactly. or or a self-soothing or you know like I I'm I'm really fascinated in like the role that creativity plays in our childhoods. And some of my guests will tell me like they weren't they weren't creative until mm. they were older. I think most of my guests were creative as children, but sometimes that creativity was just imagination play right. sometimes it was you know digging in the yard and mm -hmm. like making holes or like making little structures um so i don't know but but the a, a creative act whether it's you know internal or an external thing um you know what what role is that playing is it play yes. is it self-soothing is it an escape yeah that's i i I, so I think for me, it. yeah, me too. And I think it was more of a self-soothing thing because, you know, how I was raised, you know, we're always expected to be performing in some way sure. or another, right? Um, I was always supposed to be doing my schoolwork or improving my, myself yeah. somehow. Yeah. Um, and art, I guess, drawing kind of like nobody's telling me what to do. And yeah. one other thing I used to do is I, I was so fascinated with the natural world. Uh, yeah. I would go outside and just catch insects. You know, as a little kid, I was maybe, yeah. you know, six, seven, eight, nine mm -hmm. years old. And it was an escape. But in a way, it was a discovery too. Yeah. Um, going and, and catching butterflies and praying mantises and, and all this stuff, you know. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of neighbors probably like, I don't want him in my yard. He's going to you know, destroy my flowers and everything, yeah. you know, but, but kind of having like a, like a rich, like imagination world yeah, and exactly. Yeah. And just, yeah. yeah, I don't know. I'm interested in kind of like divergent play, you know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 Uh, I was a little, yeah, I was, a. I would run, basically run away outside and my mom would have to come and find me, yeah. you know? And, and I did this for hours sometimes yeah. and it was, I guess my divergent, way of just being free. Yeah. And I think through that time is where I started, you know, discovering, you know, a lot about just the beauty of the natural world. Yeah. I mean, to this day, it's a place where I go to 
find to regenerate. Yeah. And a lot of your music is inspired by, is that right? That's correct. Yeah. yeah. It's, yeah. it's, you know, I, I, I go into nature to, to find that inspiration, inspiration, totally. that quietude. Yeah. Uh, it's, you know, a lot of it for that matter is very calming, yeah. relaxing style music. So yeah, that's. Well, and I have to imagine too, like if, I mean, I don't, I don't know, like maybe I'm just, I'm just making an assumption, but being the young, being in among the youngest in so many siblings, mm -hmm. if you're kind of an introvert and if you like quiet, you're going to have to be creative to find that. Yeah, exactly. And, and that's, and I, I, I consider myself more of an introvert in that sense. Yeah. Um, though I think I've changed a lot in the last, I'm, I would say if you're, what is it? The Briggs Myers, whatever. Myers, yeah, Bri Myers, Myers, I never Briggs, can say yeah. it right. However, <laughs> yeah. I, you know, I took that and it's basically, I'm about 50, 50. Cool. So I'm introverted and extroverted, yeah, which, cool. because I, there is a part of me that loves to interact yeah. uh, with audience, my audience right. and with other people in general, you know, and I find so that forth. performing is like, this is just maybe an aside, but I find that performing is so interesting because it's, it's, yeah, it's like one with many, which is like maybe a little bit different than like being at a party. Right. But mm -hmm. there, there is like a, there is a bit of a buffer between like the performance and the audience. It's like you get to kind of participate in a crowd and in a group of people without being like in the group of people. Right. Which exactly. I think is yes. like a bit of a hack. <laughs> like, it, yeah. It's I like a backdoor mm -hmm. into like a uh, large scale interaction, mm -hmm. but you're very safe. <laughs> you know, like you get to control the interaction yeah, somewhat. I, yeah, absolutely. Uh, I feel that way too. Cause I, I also like, I do, I do tend to get a bit overwhelmed. Like after performing, I mm -hmm. need to kind of like be in quiet um, but I, I really will like that energy, especially if an audience is um, really interactive, like with the mm -hmm. band mm -hmm. versus just dancing and interacting with each other. If they're kind right. of mm -hmm. if they're kind of like, you know, if they notice when like the guitar player is taking a solo or something, that will be really fun for me. But as soon as someone like if someone tries to like come up on the stage, it, I get I'm like, you can't be up here. Yeah, I yeah, <laughs> it's, it's it's like a safe it it's is like a it's, controlled interaction. Yeah, it's it's you know I guess it's a little bit of a, I guess formal boundary. I don't know how sure. you. Sure, I'm sure it's different it. for you in like yeah, a concert setting. Yeah, versus like I'm playing for like, you know, a hundred very drunk people. Yeah, <laughs> well, no, different. no, I've had those those shows are fun too. <laughs> you know, too. we've done yeah. and and I can see. <laughs> I think you know I just enjoy. Uh, being able to perform, of course, like, and I, and you do too, obviously, you know, loved your, your yeah. last show that I saw well, thank you. and Thanks. it was, it was amazing. Very, very inspirational, by the way, very thank beautiful you. music. I really appreciate that. Thanks. Yeah. And you know, of course I've always loved your Embark album and thank mask is it wonderful. Thank you. So, you know, and I, and I see you up there. I'm like, I can relate to this because yeah. you know, we do that <laughs> professionally. Yeah. We do right. that as musicians and performers. Um, so I, I really enjoy that. Um, and I think for me, performing is, it's, it's really interesting. It's kind of an outlet where I feel mm -hmm. like, you know, I, on the one hand, I, I want to do my best, try to do the best show I can play everything the best way I can, you know, and it usually never happens. I always mess up something. It, it's normal, it right? It never happens. Yeah. And, but on the other hand, it's just fun to meet my audience, totally. meet people who 
um, you know, if I've seen online, you know, mm-hmm. and they're like, oh, I'd like to go to a show and then go out there and see. Well, I did a Texas tour with another musician, amazing Michelle McLaughlin, a solo cool. pianist. And we, we went to several cities and I just love that because after these people come up, mm-hmm. like I've listened to your music for five years, 10 yeah. years. Wow. Really? You yeah, know, and I'm incredible. finally meeting these people, you know, and, yeah. and, or I've seen them online and then get to meet them in person. To me, that's really rewarding. It's really, um, fulfilling to, you know, like you see, you the see world these people. this small place. Like, right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, because it's become in a way, you know, somewhat of a facade, everything's online and right. you don't really meet these people, you know, you think you know them and then you meet them in person and you get a different impression of them. Yeah. That's and cool. so they come up after the shows and things like that. And that's really fun. That's it's awesome. really enjoyable. So I, I, yeah. I can imagine. I, I rarely have that. Ex- I mean, I, I don't ever have that experience because my, when I'm performing, currently anyway um it's i'm very anonymous like i'm playing covers so um so i i get the energy of the performance but it would be mm-hmm. different i feel like that i can imagine that being really really special to kind of feel like i've talked about this with a couple of other guests but this kind of awareness that you have this intimate connection with someone who you've never met right. that's mm-hmm. pretty special that's very like um i don't know that's like so it's very human yeah, it, like it is. It's, it's like this person, they know my music, you know, yeah. and now I'm finally meeting them. Yeah. And so that's really nice. Now, I assume you, you're able to sometimes perform some of your beautiful tunes, you know, like Rose Very Gold rarely. Or, yeah, um, pretty, pretty rarely. Okay. Yeah. I wish it was more. Yeah. 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 I think I'm, I'm trying to figure out how to um, build more f- fan bases in like mm-hmm. other places. Because mm-hmm. Utah is really tricky for performing original music. Like mm-hmm. Utah is just, it's just not a place that's built. Like there aren't, ve- there, there, there really aren't venues for this kind of, the kind of music that I do. Right. Um, so it's, it's, it's very, it's like pulling teeth to try to just find a place to play. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know. I, I think, I think it would be really fun to play in like the Pacific Northwest I imagine yeah. like there would be so anyway. I'm they're, th- very, I'm, they're very culturally receptive to. It seems like my music yeah, would fit better. Absolutely. There. Well, yeah. I I think for me, and and this may be you know, and a lot of musicians probably run into this is is you know, especially you know, being uh, you know the the type of you know jazz yeah. style, and I don't want to clump yeah. all your music just yeah. into that, but it's it, like, you know, being a jazz singer, yeah. more or less. Sure. Um, I hope I didn't misrepresent no, 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 that. No, it's but, fine. Um. Some t- I love the the show you did uh, at you know the one outdoors here. Yeah, and thanks. it was intimate and it was beautiful. And if you can do shows like that, maybe it might. You know, I found I would love to do like I love I would love to play for like a hundred people. Yeah, you know, right? Which is still pretty small, or or fewer. I mean, thirty to a hundred I think feels really great. Yeah, and I think that's uh, at least for my style of music and perhaps and I think jazz also somewhat you know for the most part falls into that where you want to feel like you have an intimate show where yeah. it and i think you might have some um opportunities in that area to just contact people and say i'd like to do a show and then like you house like concert. You do, yeah, yeah exactly and because yeah. i found this to be very successful doing it uh you know a lot of places around here and oh, in yeah. in france as well when cool. i was living in france and then we would put on just intimate shows, no more than maybe 300 people to, to raise cool. money for cancer. That's awesome. Um, and they would come and they would, you know, 
provide yeah. a donation, cool. you know, and we'd give them, you know, some Chardonnay or whatever, and then yeah. a small snack. And they would put on a two hour show. Wow. That's great. And, that's and awesome. it's simple, right? It's very yeah. simple. There's not, we don't have to go and make a huge, you know, oh, let's call this venue and see what their prices are. Right. Because p- people will open your home. They would love to have your yeah. live yeah. music in their house. <laughs> yeah. We have Emily Merrill here today oh, and she's going to be yeah. performing and, and you could always muster up a crowd of 50, hundred, 200 people, yeah. you know, depending on the size of their house and well, stuff. I do appreciate the pep talk. I could use it. <laughs> no, I, I don't want it to be. It's not a pep talk. I just, <laughs> no, I need a pep talk. <laughs> I like a pep talk. Um, well, I want to hear about how you got to like the place where you're, pl- you're playing in France. So we, we, we've talked about kind of your early relationship with, you know, um, your, in, the, your inspiration and, um, your creativity. Um, can you talk to me about how you went from not liking piano lessons to enjoying Good the question. piano? Yes. Yeah. So it, 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 I think I needed to be rattled pretty hard. Unfortunately, my mother passed away when I was 13. Okay. So she, uh, was diagnosed with breast cancer five years before that. Oh, no. And, you know, I was very, I think, pre- overprotected, shielded, you know, like most people maybe, you know, at that age. Um, And, you know, I knew something wasn't right, but, you know, we knew that she had cancer, but, you know, everybody's, of course, hoping, you know, you'll get better. Unfortunately, she didn't. And it wasn't until that point that I realized um, what she'd given me, you know, so she, she made me play piano. I hated it. Uh, I did not have a connection to the, what I was learning, mm, you know, I, the repertoire. you know, you got to learn all the, you know, all the, whatever, you know, so for some people, yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, the Suzuki method <laughs> yeah. or whatever it is. Yeah. And then maybe some hymns and, you know, and things like that. And I was just, no, I didn't want to do that. You know, I just wanted yeah. to, I wanted to go learn things like exorcist on the piano and, yeah. I, you know, yeah. and my buddies were like, that's all cool. And, you know, and so once she passed away, I realized that there's something much deeper, you know, it, it made me actually take a look at life instead of, you know, in this little world, I mean, it, it, it basically, uh, bursted my bubble. And yeah. so I had to yeah. start really contemplating things, you know, what, you know, am I going to see her again? Am I going to, is, yeah. is what I'm being taught true? And it, it, it turned, I think I became very, I went very inward and became very yeah. philosophical at that point. Mm-hmm. It started challenging you know, some of my beliefs and stuff. And so through that process, I started to see what, you know, music is. Mm. And I started to appreciate her beautiful music. I would, you know, go and listen for recordings. See, she used to perform around town and she played at the assembly hall, you know, downtown. She used to play organs all over and put on shows. And I became very interested in this, like, yeah. Wow, who is this person? You had this history of your yeah, mom. That's really cool. Exactly. And so I would listen to, so my dad made a bunch of her recordings. And so I had to, pl- I got the chance to listen to those and enjoy, you know, and really get to know this other side of my yeah. mother who deeply took care of me and was just an amazing mother. Yeah. But, you know, as a little kid, you don't see like, into those areas of people, sure. you know. And so, I started to like music. I wanted to sit down and play. Yeah. I, and I, I listened to how she played and it was just amazing. You and understood something new. Yeah. What do you and, think it, do you think it was like, 
because one thing that I've talked about with a lot of guests and that I that I think about a lot is like the the relationship between like the skills that we're building, like the hard skills, you know, like the the actual dexterity in your fingers and reading music, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, it, you know, learning how to operate the pedal versus like uh, a creativity that's kind of like, um, you know, uh, impressing upon the piano like a dynamic right. um, mm-hmm. and and uh, like this kind of ownership that goes beyond like these skill sets do you feel like like is that the thing is is that kind of what you feel like you discovered I yes in a sense I think it's such a leading question no no that, no it's, a, it's a actually a very good question and, and I appreciate it um, I think for me once I started to what's the way to put this so it doesn't sound cheesier, but take, take, take the will and yeah. I'm not doing something because I'm being told to do right, it. Like it's not reactive. Right. That's what I yeah, meant. Like it's exactly. like, it becomes like a creative thing. Yeah. And yeah, I, I wonder if like listening to those recordings from your mom and connecting like this instrument with like a person who you were, um, investigating in a new way. Yeah. I um, think, yeah. Yeah. Um, I, that's a, that's a good way to put it because I think, um, once I realized, you know, she's doing this, creating this beautiful, amazing music and I'm starting to realize the depth and what it means for me and how I can apply it for myself. She wasn't there telling me anymore. You have to practice. Yeah. It's really interesting. I, I didn't hear that voice anymore. Rather, I wanted to practice. I wanted to, maybe in a way it was my way of remembering her or, honoring her or, uh, maybe like getting to know her yeah, in a different way or ex- something. Exactly. Yeah. And, and so it, it, it was a whole, it's like a new experience for yeah, me. I, cool. I think that's where the creativity, the process of creativity for me began. It's so interesting. It was, I'm, yeah. I'm so interested in it. Cause you know, I interview people with all different kinds of like, I don't just interview musicians, but all kinds mm. of artists and yeah. like these, this, when we can marry, our technical skills with our like heart and mind skills. Mm-hmm. I feel like that's where like art lives. Exactly. Um, but it's like, it's so interesting the dance between those things. Like I think Absolutely. a lot of us are very artful as children. Mm-hmm. And then we go into this like technical time in our lives yeah. where we like really, really study and maybe kind of aren't making art, you know, during in I, high school and college. I agree with that yeah. wholeheartedly. And I, I kind of get back in. Yeah. And, and I've, I've done that myself. I've, I've, you know, I listen to how my mother played or these other musicians. I, my dad would take me to see like Brahms piano concertos with cool. Utah symphony or Rachmaninoff second piano concerto or cool. third piece of amazing works, but the technical demand from these pieces, I'm like, there's no way I'm going to play this stuff. Right. So I started, you know, I saw the whole new purpose of why mom, mom, my mother wanted right. me to practice journey and handy exercises. And, right. and, you know, and whereas before I'm like, this is useless. It's like worthless, yeah, it's like you know, we get confused. <laughs> we think that like the technique is the end, but yep. it's, it's a means to an end. Exactly. Like, the technique yep. gives us the skills to like create these other th- ephemeral things. Exactly. But yeah, it's, it's, it's something that I think like all artists know that some consumers know that, mm-hmm. but I would like for all consumers yeah. to know that. Yeah, wouldn't that be <laughs> yeah. nice? Yeah, yeah, yeah. that like, <laughs> that it, it's, I don't know, it's such a, it's such a, like, again, kind of like this marriage of the, um, is that mine? Yep. Let me 
It's right there. Practice your piano exercises. I don't know what this is for. I, it's probably a phone call with a bride. <laughs> I'm not for today, but probably you said it for last this week. Weekend? Yeah. yeah, we need you here ASAP. <laughs> um, oh, yeah, I'm ready. I'm ready. Well, now I'm like, because it's like I'm playing all the weddings from like this year, mm-hmm. but like everybody's booking for next fall. Right. So I'm yeah. like, I'm 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 busy like talking with a lot of people who are. Um, planning weddings for next fall and then executing all the weddings for this fall. So it's like, it's a, it's a busy time. And then in like, you know, December, January, February, it's like crickets. There's just nothing. Yeah. <laughs> There's no events going on yeah. and no one is planning weddings. It's yeah. like everybody takes a pause. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's just crazy. That's how the musician's life is. <laughs> I know. I know. It's, it is very mysterious. Like I think people would have no idea Or I was thinking this week, this is such a tangent. We will come back to your childhood, but I, I have okay. braces, as you can see, and my orthodontist is always like asking really, um, you know, kindly ignorant questions about my career. <laughs> like he means well, but <laughs> last week he was saying I was I was saying that I was tired because I had been I had been out of state and it was like a really far away one and I just was exhausted. Um, and I went in to get my braces tightened and. Mm-hmm. Um, he was like, he said something like, uh, he was just talking about how, like, how lucky I am that I'm like, you know, living this dream. And I've just been thinking about that. Like, it's true, but also like little children will say like, oh, I want to be a police officer. Like, I want to be a firefighter. <laughs> right. And like when those people become grow up and become an astronaut or a firefighter. And then they come home and say they're tired. People mm. just uh, let them be tired. Right. Yeah, yeah. Like, if I'm tired, people are like, but you aren't allowed to be tired. You're so lucky. Like you're, right. you're yeah. doing like this thing. I think, I think they have this, this conception or misconceived, but whatever that music is just play all playing fun. It, right. Yeah. That what, what do you do? You just get on a stage all day and you get to go play your dream instrument yeah. and, and like, how, how dare easy? you what? complain about anything? Right. Yeah. And, and yeah, I, I get that too from people yeah. like, you're so lucky. I mean, in a way, I mean, we are lucky. We oh, get to, we get to, and I know you're, you're not but saying like otherwise. My orthodontist but, is also lucky to have like benefits. Right. And like, yeah, you exactly. Know what I mean? Like there's all like, yeah, exactly. it, it just feels to me like, I it's mean, really it, are there things that are like truly magical about my work? Yes. 100%. And that's why, like, that's why I keep doing it despite mm-hmm. all the things that are like r- just ridiculously hard, right, like right. beyond mm-hmm. hard yeah. and like, uh, you know, rejection upon rejection, like, but it's worth it for oh, yeah. like the pieces of it that are very mm-hmm. magical. Mm-hmm. But like this idea that it's all just magical is like so silly. And yes. like in this, and like, <laughs> yeah, it was my childhood dream in the same way that it, like being a firefighter is someone's childhood dream. Like <laughs> it in no way matches reality. Like, right. you know, like it's a very silly. Yeah. <laughs> I think, ridiculous. you know, yeah. And it is interesting. I mean, and I'm glad you brought that up, but it, it seems that a lot of these people, you know, and they, like you said, you know, they have good intentions, but sure. they see the surface reality. Yeah. They see the, the part of us that is for many musicians, the funnest part of what they do. Right. Um, yeah, they don't see any of the behind the scenes work, uh, totally. any of the, and, and so, yeah, I mean, I, I, 
I get you 100%. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's, but I, I, when he said like, it was your dream job, like you, cause he asked me, he was something like, when did you, like what he said was, I have these, ba- I have these rubber bands. I'll just tell the story. Cause it's like kind of funny, yeah. but uh, I have these rubber bands and he was like, you can take them out when you're singing. Um, and he was like, uh, but I'm not talking about like just singing in the shower. And I said, I was just kind of joking, but I was like, well, I don't sing unless someone's paying me <laughs> like, <I was> just <laughs> kind of joking. Mm-hmm. And he was just like horrified. And he was like, but, but you know, I'm like, but you but you loved it like you were singing as a child like when he was kind of asking like when did it change like when did it when did it become something that was no longer play and i'm like well when i started paying my bills with it you know like yeah and i don't know just this this thought of like well yes like as a child i thought like wouldn't it be great to be a singer but like i was very ignorant as a child Mm -hmm. in the same way that a little child being like i want to be an astronaut isn't thinking about all the physics they have to right. learn. Right. Yep. They're yep. thinking about being like seeing the earth they from see that surface reality and millions of miles away. And like yeah. that thing or mm-hmm. hundred, not millions, whatever. I don't know. Listen, I'm a musician. It's all relative. However it doesn't matter. Yeah. The space shuttle is from millions of centimeters away. So <laughs> I, don't I don't know. Um, but you know, and that moment seeing the earth from the, from space is probably even more magical than they imagined it as a child. But right. all of the training mm-hmm. and all of the monotony of like trying to be a human in anti-gravity, <laughs> like that's bad. That's right. all uh, really yes. terrible. Exactly. Anyway. <laughs> no. And, and, and I, I, I think there is a public misperception about, totally. you know, you know it's part of why my scenes. podcast is called the artifice. Cause yep. it's like, you don't know what it is. And I love that <laughs> title, by the way. That's amazing. Thanks. And it's, it's multifaceted. But it is, but there's a lot of truth to that, you know, yeah. and you hear, you know, same with any field of art, the, the actors, you know, um, mm-hmm. you know, and even these people that do theater, how much work, so much work goes into their rehearsals, into their traveling, into their, their every, you know, uh, and it's really difficult, but. Well, and and how much non-work, I mean, like all exactly. of the times mm-hmm. in between where they don't have work, like, yeah. What yeah. were you going to say though? I interrupted you. Oh, no, no, go ahead. It's, it's. Um, it's just that continuing, yeah. uh, where they, they are constantly having to f- find their next gig. Yeah. Um, people think it's not like a salaried position, right? You're going to go to work every that. day and you're yeah. going to get benefits and you're going to be at this job. No, it's like you do your, your set, your shows, uh, whatever the season is for yeah. that, you know, artist or actor or whatever. And you're done. You're, yeah. you're fending for yourself constantly right, right. till your next gig comes along until they're going to pay you. And it, it is, that's the part that I think a lot of the public doesn't understand. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not just like another salary or position. Like, there's a hell of a lot of work that we just hope we get paid for someday. You know, like, <laughs> right. like we, we, cause you have to invest. I mean, this is different, you know, per the arts, but yeah, I mean like a, like a painter is going to choose to do a new work or a new set of works Mm -hmm. and they don't know if those works are going to get placed in a gallery or if they're going to sell. Mm -hmm. Um, and then it's like, well, if that painting never sells, did you, was it still work, you know, or was it like for fun? And I think a lot of people would think that like, like if you put it to them like that, they're going to be like, well, I guess it's work. But if you're not thinking, if like, if you're not, if people aren't thinking about it in, 
in this context, it's like, well, you just made this music like because you love it and you wanted to. Sure, but it was also a ton of work. <laughs> like, yeah, absolutely. It was also a lot of work, and yeah. it was real work. Exactly. And it's yeah, yeah, like like exhausting work. Mm -hmm. um, whether or not someone ever buys it, it was still really hard work. Exactly, and and that's the that's a, the really good point because even then, you know, as a musician, you know, to even create the work, like any art, requires you know, an investment it yeah. requires your, your instrument, mm -hmm. you know, whatever instrument that is, mm -hmm. you know, uh, requires the recording equipment or the resources. If you don't have a, the recording equipment, you need to go to a studio, yeah. for example, to record the music or the yeah. song or songs. Um, there's all that. And then all the amount of time that you're investing into creating your art. Yeah. It's, it's, it's amazing, you know, and that's, you know, it, in that way, it's similar, to, I guess, to an orthodontist office because they've got to invest in their their office space, right. their and everything, right. and the amount of time that goes into that. Yeah. And so you just like they, you know, and it's and that's a really good point you make yeah. because, you know, do you create art, uh, because you like expect to love? get paid, yeah, or, yeah. or do you create art? You know, and it doesn't have to be a it's, dichotomy. Right. But, and it isn't. It's both. Yeah, it's both. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like if hard pressed, you know, if someone asked asked me if if I knew I was never going to get paid, would I still do it? Yes, I would. Yes. But that doesn't mean that it's like fun. You right. Know? It's oh, like, it's... It doesn't mean that it's easy. It doesn't mean that it doesn't take like a ridiculous amount of discipline. Yes. Um, yep. and like burning the midnight oil scheduling. Yep. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And exactly. And heartache and mm -hmm. like really meticulous. Um, and just because nobody like asked me to do it doesn't mean it wasn't hard yeah. you know, or See, whatever. Yeah. And that's really interesting because you know, the orthodontist, they pay their dues when they are in school yeah. way in advance. Right. And they, they earn, their degree or their, their professional skills or credentials, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. Whereas a musician, you know, they, a lot of musicians, they, some go to college, some don't, yeah. you know, I did some college, you know, in the music program at the university of Utah. Um, but they don't necessarily require that up front, sure. even though it's, I think a very great thing to do up sure. front and pay all that. But yeah, nobody someone, cares if you have the degree or not. Exactly. Yeah, it doesn't mean anything. Because, and I'm glad they don't because we're, doing we're paying our dues every day of our lives no you're <laughs> even, so right about that even, yeah. even after we are you know for many you know even successful in the career you know where we're able to sustain ourselves yeah. and make a living in it it's, it's constant it is a yeah. constant grind and it's it's very hard um so it's very very interesting and and to answer you know you said you would do it and i would do the same. Yeah. Um, cause I love creating yeah. for create for it. It's necessary to my like, health as a human. Like, right. Exactly. I'm going to do it. Yep. I'm going to do it either way. Mm -hmm. And in that sense, it's for me, mm -hmm. but like, it's also a lot of work. <laughs> like, yeah, exactly. If I was only <laughs> creating like really for me, there probably would be steps that I wouldn't take, you know? Yeah. Uh, so mm -hmm. it's, it's a weird it's a weird combination of things. Yes. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, but I, I, I hate the idea that like the fact that I, that I am doing it for me somehow makes it like worth less. <laughs> like, 
Right. And I think <laughs> it feels yeah. really gross. And you wonder where that, where that gets imposed on us, you yeah. know, that idea yeah. um, that, oh, if you're just doing it for yourself, it's not worth anything. It, it's yeah. very interesting because I think some of the greatest works of art came about. All of with, them. Yeah. Without that expectation, you have to do this or, well, you, this isn't worth anything unless you're commissioned, you know, you're, I'm sorry, we're not all Leonardo da Vinci or we're not all painting yeah. or, you oh, know, yeah. some, I mean, I'm, that doesn't even exist anymore. <laughs> like that kind of a model of right. like, I mean, like a patronage, mm-hmm. like that, that just, I mean, that really just doesn't exist in the right. same way mm-hmm. anymore. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think nowadays all great art that's made at some level, the artist is doing it not knowing if it will ever. Right. So I think we're on. Someone writes a screen, like a screenplay. Mm-hmm. Someone might. Mm-hmm. Someone might pick it up. You know? Right. Like, I think we're on the same page yeah. or we at least oh, totally. are in agreement that um, these artists that write from within, they write for art's sake. Yeah. They're not, okay, I'm going to do this so that I can become famous one day or yeah. I'm going to do this so that I can become I could make a living. Yeah. Of course, nobody objects to that. I hope I'm, mean, there's nothing wrong with, if you can yeah. turn your art and what you do, your, you know, your passion, yeah, whatever it is into yeah. also generating an income, all the more power to you. I, yeah, I don't have an ethical, uh, qualm with that. Well, and I think what I would, <laughs> what I would hope that people would understand is like, the art that you need in your life as a consumer, like the art that, that a non-artist needs, Mm -hmm. uh, that you rely on for like your, your enjoyment as a, I mean, we do rely on it. Like we need it in our culture. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all, if you imagine that all of that art was made by people who weren't sure if anybody would want it, then you should, you should take that one step further and, I don't know, like just like you, you, if you're going to consume art, mm-hmm. uh, period, the end, you have to like accept the premise that like artists are creating kind of for themselves. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yes, absolutely. I don't know. It's like not no, quite I, very I, I well think, said. No, I think, no, I totally, it, it is clear. Um, you know, I think art in a way is an, an artist is they, they are the people within the society that have more liberty to say things sure. that might violate, you know, the, the so-called social norms yeah. of that society and they can yeah. get away with it, yeah. you know, and, and they use their art to do that. That's mm. one way, you know, whether it's political or whether it's just a message of something, whatever. Sure. And you need those artists in the society to, Shift paradigms to, to move culture. Right. And yeah. culture must, and the people must, uh, they rely on, on the art yeah. in their, in their culture, but also in the larger world, yeah. you know, and this is why I think we have such a wealth of, you know, beautiful European art, Renaissance art, uh, and, you yeah. know, art from, I mean, the Middle East. I mean, it's just this, mm-hmm. you know, the, the continued that people draw upon from, not just musical form, but in literary form and things right. like that. It's necessary yeah. to help us, you know, understand ourselves and to, so I think it's very important. Yeah. And most, like we said, most of those artists did those things, uh, you know, on very, very little means or if none, they did yeah. it just to do it for art's right. sake. Um, though I know, you know, 
a lot of them were paupers, you know, and they, they had to somehow make a living, you know, and they probably played whatever they did off the streets or Mm -hmm. whatever, or, you know, like poetry, how many people make a living, you know, it's very hard and very difficult, but there's some amazingly beautiful poetry out there. Yeah. Like (laughs) I think what I, I think maybe what I was trying to say, like, is like, if I'm you helped me like figure out what I was like, but yeah, if we, if we believe that art is something we want, whether or not Mm -hmm. we believe, whether or not we're high minded about it, like even if you think it's just entertainment, then like you necessarily have to accept the fact that like people who, you know, who have not like reached, uh, I don't know, whatever level of success are doing the same thing Mm -hmm. that like those people whose art you're consuming were, have been doing. Right. It's, Mm -hmm. it's, it's, it was risky for the people who made the things you love in the exact same way that it's risky for the people who are making things that you don't love. Right. It's, it's, and that's, that leads into another issue of, you know, when you ask people, why do you do this in the first place? Yeah. You know, and I think most artists, I think you would agree with this. They don't, they aren't doing it knowing that they're going to make a big living at it because, you know. But little children that say, I'm going to become a firefighter or a, a dentist or, yeah. you know, they know that that's how they're, you know, or yeah. many of them, they understand they have to do something. There's some identity that's being imposed on them. You need to have this role or act this certain way right. in life. Right. So, you know, but, yeah. you know. Well, and in <laughs> the exact same way that a, a child who says they want to be like a firefighter mm-hmm. is not thinking about money. A child who is, mm-hmm. says they want to yeah. be a singer isn't thinking about money, but as adults, we must. You know? yep. <laughs> like, yep. Necessity, just, yeah. necessity calls yeah. on us and you we don't... have to do those things. And yeah, yeah. yeah it, 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 it totally changes the paradigm in, in a lot of artists, you yeah. know, that because, you know, once you introduce the audience and it becomes a dependency where, you know, you need this audience. Every artist needs an audience, you know, go ahead. You can make a painting and you can hide it in your garage and nobody will ever see it. You know, you can be a a recluse painter if you want, or a recluse pianist. Well, none of that work though. Part of the other side of art is that it's something that you're trying to express, uh, to celebrate something or, uh, you know, there's, it's, it's critical that yeah. you, at some point, you know, anybody who wants it, I think they know, even as children, that when you want to become a singer, you're going to sing to someone. Totally. Unless totally. you imagine you're going to sing and shower for the rest of my life. I mean. In which case, like, and, and it, yeah, I think you're right. In which case, like, if that is, if that is the, like, if, if you do just want to sing or paint for yourself, you don't have the same incentive to get to hone your craft. Um, Mm. And it also gets a little dicey. If you're trying to reach a certain level of excellence, you have to invest more time than one could invest on a hobby. Right. Uh, So it's, yeah, I mean, it's like there, it it, is it a risky proposition. Definitely. Uh, Do, do we, are we glad as a culture that people take that risk? I hope so. I hope so too. Bear is <laughs> farting and I'm sorry about that. That's okay. <laughs> Our <laughs> listeners don't know, but there's like a, Bear is having a little gas in this room. Uh, and uh, I'm sorry for that, Ryan. <laughs> that's okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, I I don't know. I think I've been thinking about it a lot lately, and maybe it's just because I'm kind of like I'm I'm 33. The pandemic certainly got me thinking about some things. I maybe it felt this way to you too, but you know, half of my income got wiped out in 2020. Oh yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And just thinking about like, what am I doing? Why am I doing this? Like, you know, and and I think like when I really think hard about it, I will keep doing it. You know, mm-hmm. of course, things yeah. would have to get. Mm-hmm worse than a global pandemic for me to stop doing right. it. Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> there would have to be like, I would have to have more than half of my income wiped out Yeah, um, to stop doing it. I'm sure there is a boundary at which I would be like, well, I need a different job. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. But I'm, you know, I'm nowhere near that place yet. That's good to hear. Uh, thank you. Hear. Yeah. I mean, yeah, but, yeah. but, but it is really hard. And, you know, I think a lot about like, yeah, what, what are we doing? Why are we doing these things? What is the point if, uh, what is the point, you know? Um, and, and, uh, I think I have answers to a lot of these things for myself. Um, but yeah, it is a constant for me anyway, it's a constant re rearranging. Yep. Yeah. Yep. It's like, you know, you make your plans and then life happens, right? Yeah. On uh, this pandemic, and I think, uh, and I've heard this sentiment from a lot of musicians, uh, friends, and people online and stuff check. that, right? It's it. We have to be pulled in and be, you know check where check our bearings, and we yeah. need to continue. And the pandemic, obviously, we all know, has had a major impact on being able to perform live. Yeah. Uh, and it's really, in a sense, shut down so many of these uh, these concerts and events that we would be doing. Yeah. Um, and yes, it's affected, I think, you know, our, our industry, you know, drastically. So much. And now, you know, you're hearing people are out starting to do this again. You know, it affected as you can, as it affected you. It also, yeah. as we know, you know, we had to move back from France during the yeah. pandemic. And, you know, so I wasn't able to do any more, you know, charity yeah. concerts or whatever have you there. Uh, it affected that. Um, and I, I moved back here for other reasons as well, but, um, I'm glad that we can start getting people out again to Mm -hmm. shows and things in a safe manner, uh, so that, you know, we can continue as artists and hopefully, um, you know, recuperate a little of that lost income, you know, uh, and make things a little easier because it is, it's been so difficult, um, a major reality check, like, is yeah. this worth this? And yeah. like, to me, it's like, you know, the number of times in the last year and a half that I've asked myself, like, is this worth this? It's been a lot of times and in a lot of different contexts. And like, my answer is still like, yep. yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, but like, geez, there have been some days that I'm just like, what am I doing? <laughs> this yep. is yep. too hard. Like, yeah. This is harder than it should be. Um, yeah. But it's, you know, it is worth it. It does feel worth it. But like, Sometimes barely. <laughs> yeah, I know exactly. And I, and I hear you and I, I feel that the same sentiment. Um, you know, when I was, uh, doing my first, um, let's see, was it two, maybe even three out first three albums, uh, for me, I was working a full-time job yeah, and, you know, of course right. we, we, yeah. we You're have to for ancestry, right? That's correct. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, um, at that time, you know, it's, it's very demanding, you know, that you need to be, you know, doing the best at work yeah. that you can. And, you know, in a way I'm kind of serving two masters, you know, so I'd come home and, you know, of course spend some precious time with my family, wife and every, everything. Um, but then, you know, I needed to 
stay up late, burn the midnight oil. And that's, it was really hard, but it's like, still, I would say, I wouldn't change any of that. I mean, if I had to take another job just to make ends meet, well, I will, but I'm not going to stop writing music. Totally. You know, and I do have some periods where I don't write as much as other times. Um, And I think that's normal for musicians. You you know, sometimes I'm really productive and regardless of the situation, I'm I'm very productive. Other times... You know, I don't produce as much or write as much. Um, and the, at least that's been the, yeah. you know, the, the, the process for me. Why do you do it? Why like, do I? Um, yeah, like what is it? Like why, what's, what's your like reason? No, that's a very good question. You know, it's the, the reason death I would like the, know an answer, yeah, but yeah. The reason to be, it's yeah. for, for me, I think music, you know, it, I think it connects me to um, you know, whatever it, it's a mystery, I guess. I don't know if I can necessarily put certain things in words, but for me, um, you know, I'm a very analytical scientific mind. I, yeah. you know, I, I like to look at terms of everything in, in that way, but music transcends that. Yeah. Uh, it, it goes beyond the, you know, natural explanations of things. You know, why is it that I'm obsessed with certain patterns in harmonies and things? Mm-hmm. It is it. It plays on a much higher level, I think, yeah. uh, than the analytical mind ever could. You know, the mathematical mm-hmm. brain or the the scientific mind that's seeking empirical evidence for everything, yeah. trying to find answers for how things work. That's very important, yeah. and we need that balance. But if you just have that, and you don't have the artistic that celebrates the 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 deeper mysteries of life whether they can right. all be explained at some time in the future maybe they will maybe not yeah that music is critical to, as a a way of celebrating that or mm-hmm. pointing to that yeah um it's uh it's it's for the sublime it's for those yeah. things that maybe one day there will be a scientific explanation who knows do right? you feel like it's still like what percentage of it for you is still like if any is still like a self soothing like, like, how oh, much I think of it, almost all of almost it. Almost no. all of it. Yeah, I think I, I think I feel the same way. I mean, I'm really interested in storytelling. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I tend to write in works mm-hmm. that are maybe like trying to get at a, mm-hmm. a story. Mm-hmm. Um, and in that sense, like it's made for like someone to hear. Yeah. I, I mean, mm-hmm. of course, your work is made for someone to hear as well. Uh, but I, I think I mean like it's trying to express a particular message or idea um with that maybe i feel like i more or less have already have ideated Mm -hmm. um so in that sense like it's it's beyond it's not a self-soothe but i i do think the act for me of like taking something that i already kind of feel and know and think Mm -hmm. and packaging it into something that um you know someone is going to consume indirectly like Mm -hmm. that feels very soothing to me like it's it's a, I think I have like, I have emotional baggage with like being misunderstood, not being heard, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know, because of my childhood. Mm -hmm. Um, and so, you know, making something that's kind of like perfectly how I meant for it to be feels very, um, alleviating to me. Okay. That's interesting. So, but, um, I think my question is, Bear is just, I don't know if the microphones pick that up. He just think, did like an I excessive groan. Bear was in agreement with you. Yeah, he, did, he likes to do those. He's like a satisfied old man. <laughs> um, what was I saying? I, I think... Uh, 
You're packaging so, it. Packaging, yeah. So sometimes yeah. I, sometimes I wonder, like I, I'll get a little self-critical, mm-hmm. um, feeling like, like if this is for me, like, is it still valuable? And do do you get in that kind of a trap ever? I I have, in the past, you know, I was a comp- very big perfectionist with things. And I felt like if I'm going to share anything, you know, I know it's a little different, you know, in terms of, you know, but we're still delivering something, whether it's a package or a song or the purpose behind it. I I was very perfectionistic with things and I was Mm. really scared to let them go Mm. uh, because I felt in a way, I think a little inadequate. Like if um, my self-soothing is going to be something that I send out, like how do I vet that? Right. Right. Exactly. You know, I'm just trying to lay some emotional thing on someone else like yeah you mm-hmm. should understand me if you understand my song you know and sure and stuff like that and it's you know but I I think if, at some point you know with help you know f- you know of course from my lovely wife you know, so cool yeah, thank you yeah and I and she's now my partner in crime you know and, yeah. and she keeps the the common sense you know part of me mm. so that you know it's like she grounds me well that way um it's it's Something that where the the perfectionism, you know, it it becomes analysis becomes paralysis, right? So mm-hmm. I I had to part of me had to stop, you know, a lot of that and just let the work be born, whatever yeah. it's going to be, yeah. and then to close that chapter and move on to the next chapter. So in a way, to to answer your question, it it um, it's not necessarily always something of a message that I want to say to someone. Sure. Sometimes it's just like a feeling, a feeling yeah. exactly. Or, uh, um, you know, because you, you obviously you have these beautiful lyrics in your music, you Thank know, you. um, very artistic. Thank you. Um, whereas a lot of my music, uh, lacks that it does not have the, the, yeah. the word content. It transcends or, language. Yeah. And, and I'm, I, I like to think of, you know, that's one element of music, not the only element, but it, you know, you can use it to convey a message, but also transcend uh, something so people then can apply their own interpretation to it. Or the song has a meaning for them because they were doing something in their life at that time right. and, it, and has a specific. So it's it's a little, you know, not that it's any less or more than what yeah. another musician might be doing to convey right. their message. It's, right. it's meant to be uh, something that, you know, someone else in some way might relate on a different sure. level. So it's tough, but yeah. Yeah. Sometimes I'll get in like a bit of like a, is like, uh, like what is the altruism of it? You know, like sometimes I kind of, I'll Mm -hmm. get a little stuck. Like if this is for me, is it also for other people? I think it is. But sometimes I get a little bit like. Yeah. And I think we wound up about that. Yeah. And I think we sometimes feel guilty about, you know, or certain musicians might feel a little guilty. Like if I'm doing something for me. Totally. Is it is it fair that I'm sharing this with someone else and, you know, and I'm profiting off of it somehow, Yeah, you know, or it's, tricky. it's, it's, it's a, it's a hard, it's a, it's a dilemma. Mm-hmm. But on the other hand, why shouldn't, someone has to you know, do it. Yeah. Some, you know, th- our work yeah. is just as important or, you know, on some level as anyone's That's work. what I meant. That's what I meant. Like, mm-hmm. like, it, it, like, um, the art, like I have to assume that the art that I love, that I need, that like mm-hmm. moves my life was made by someone who also has these wrestles. Like I have right. to mm-hmm. assume that the person who, exactly. who wrote my favorite books and who made mm-hmm. my favorite movies and who wrote my favorite music 
also sometimes asks themselves like, is this a weird vanity thing? Like, <laughs> you know, had like right. weird kind of guilt about it. Mm -hmm. And then, and then if I know that, then I have to, I have to assume that like, I also like necessarily am going to feel these things mm -hmm. and that, and that it doesn't, um, mean anything. Right. You know? It, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> no, no, it makes sense because, you know, and I, and, and I can imagine, I mean, there's a lot of our artists are plagued with this, you know, and I have to imagine everyone is yes. Like, mm -hmm. unless you're like a narcissist. Exactly. You know, <laughs> like, and then, you know, there's, there's yeah. a, seems to be more and more of that becoming prevalent sure. in our society today. Yeah. But, um, I, I, I think that, you know, a lot of music, you know, even, you know, if you do a live show somewhere and you don't charge, uh, you know, a cover, you know, people yeah. will come in and if they love it, you put a tip jar out or something. Yeah. Do you feel guilty if someone puts a hundred dollar bill in that tip jar? Yeah. No, it makes your not. day. Yeah. Right. Because right. someone, it you touch them in a way they, they thought this is the most awesome thing. Here's a hundred dollar tip. Yeah. Yeah. Why do we have to beat ourselves up over this? Because, right. you know, someone chose to pay us yeah. to pr purchase a download or stream our music. So many times we get paid or, yeah purchase a CD, you yeah, know, it's like, it's like your job to assume that someone else needs what you're making. Like right. You kind of just have to, right. You kind and of have to. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And so it, it's, I can see it's and hopefully it's true. Yeah. And I like to just <laughs> knock on wood and say, yeah, yeah, it's true. I, I deserve to do what I'm doing. Well, um, and the other thing that I think is like, you know, it, cause it, we have these same, like we'll give each other advice about well, you know, don't criticize yourself for something you wouldn't criticize someone else for. Like, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. don't talk to, you know, don't talk to yourself the way you wouldn't talk to someone you love. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I feel like, you know, when I think about like doing this podcast, for example, like most of the people I interview, I've never met. So mm -hmm. that's a kind of a beautiful experiment in and of itself. Yeah, absolutely. And I find it so, or, you know, if I think about my podcast, if I think about my students, like it is such a gift for me to, um, to hear my guests talk about their lives and I'm so interested and it's such a gift for me to invest in my students, most of whom will never be musicians. Mm -hmm. Um, but mm -hmm. just to have, just to witness this like little sparkle, like it is a gift. It is a gift to me Absolutely. to see that. Mm -hmm. Um, and then like, it's, it's a gift. It's our gift as artists to like, share ourselves like even if it is even if what we make just is like hey this is my soul packaged in a way that you can mm -hmm. receive it right that's valuable mm -hmm. period yeah absolutely I, I mean i think we're all on this huge journey in life to we're figuring things out we're trying to understand the meaning for being yeah. uh, the purpose for why we do anything yeah you know um, you know, and sometimes people are more nihilistic about those things other times they're more hopeful about those things depends on where they are on that right. scale. Yeah. And I tend to, you know, I tend to be more of an optimist. I used to be a big pessimist, yeah. a huge pessimist, mm -hmm. you know, and this is after, you know, when I was 20, you know, about, you know, the reason for doing things, you just do them just to do them for doing sake. Yeah. I mean, there's nothing, never, never anything wrong with that. Who can fault that? Right. Yeah. Um, but I notice that when I start bringing my judgments in, I get over analytical about judging why I do certain mm -hmm. things. Mm -hmm. It sometimes is the thing that paralyzes the ability to sometimes do those things. Totally. And, and I think we're all aware of those things. And, and so I, sometimes I try to, 
get out of the analytical thinking mind when I'm creating. At least this is part of my process for yeah, creating. That's awesome. Um, to break away from the analytical mind because I realize there's much more than just the analytical mind. Definitely. You know, the sensory world is such a beautiful place and it's it's it lacks or it's, it's void of all the, the analytical thinking. That's yeah. the interpretation of it, right? right? So I try to separate that sometimes when I'm just creating something yeah. and try not to bring in the analytical right. mind, although it's really hard because so the hard. analytical mind yeah. drags us like a wild river, totally. you know, it pulls us wherever it wants to go and we're at its mercy. Yeah. And then, you know, if things go as they're supposed to, and as I think, I mean, I'm definitely an optimist too, like as I think they're kind of like destined to, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. you, what you create in that, um, sensory space, uh, someone else can simply listen and be in that sensory space without, all of that work themselves. Right. And, mm -hmm. and so you as the artist are taking on that burden. Of right. The, yeah. You know, yes, exactly. That's the mm -hmm. role that you play. Like you're yeah. taking mm -hmm. on the burden of all of the work that goes into creating something mm -hmm. outside of that analytical space and then handing it to someone and saying like, here, you can just push play right. and you get to have this. Yeah. yeah. And, and you know, and that's really interesting. You put it that way. And I, and I like that because that, that we can't control the person that's going to perceive what our art is, mm -hmm. how they're going to perceive it, yeah. because they may look at that art and say, they may get over analytical about it and go, right. well, you know, this person, the harmonies in this section should have been this way instead of that way. Right. Or, you know, the artist took too much liberty here or the, and, and, and they can turn it into this entanglement of thought forms that totally and they do and a lot of people and a lot do. of you know yeah. you see that people especially will. in the classical world <laughs> yeah. where you see these purists you know and uh, you know that they just they just tear uh, as musician on stage to a whole new level I'm like, yeah. that musician wasn't even thinking like that right you know and it's that like wasn't even the intention at all right yeah. where did that come from right? right it's it's like is that even part of reality or is that just a false construct yeah. And so it's, it's fascinating. So, but on the other hand, you give the same work to another person who they just want to relax and go right. use it as a means or a portal to, to also go into a place where there's less. Yeah. You've created a place for them to go. Right. Yeah. And so the intention sometimes is for that, you know, Totally. but I can't control, I guess right. the main point of this is I can't control how someone's going to perceive my music. They may end up saying, you know, this I don't care for this. Well, yeah. well, then my music's not right for you. You know, yeah. thanks and for listening. Doesn't change and, like how, what you made. Right. It's just so. it's still there. You know. Now it's the next ear is going to hear it, and they're going to maybe interpret it in a completely different way. Right. And it, it invokes point. some power in them that I had no idea. You know, I right. didn't intend right. for it that way. Yeah. Right. And so it does that too. Mm -hmm. So that's where that's what helped me kind of break away from my past of being a perfectionist because yeah. I was trying to control that narrative. Right, right, right. You can't, you never will. Yeah, yeah exactly. It's not possible. Exactly. Yeah. Right, right, right. Mm. Yeah. That's why it's risky. Mm -hmm. And that's why, yep. that's why it is like such an optimistic endeavor. Like mm -hmm. it's risky and it's so hopeful. Mm -hmm. And I think that's like valuable too. Like just these like small acts of, or huge, uh, acts of, um, good faith. Yep. That we mm -hmm. like put forth. Yeah, we have to. Yeah. We have to. I think, you know, faith has sometimes a negative connotation. Like, yeah. hey, you're believing in things that ain't so, right? Yeah. But I, I, I don't look at it that way. It's I look at you have triumphant. to. Triumphant. 
you have to, the, the whole world that we live in is a world of so many unknowns. You get on a plane, you have to trust that the, yeah. that plane's going to get you from point A to point B. And the same goes with music. When you create a piece of music, you have to trust that, you know, whatever that means, that it's going to get to the listener, wherever your audience is. Because I think this is where I'm the optimist. I think there's an audience out there for anything that anybody creates. Yeah, I think so too. And, and it's just a matter of, you know, the mechanism by which we get that delivery, that package, if you want to call it that, to that end listener or end observer, Yeah, uh, you know, so that they can, uh, you know, be transformed or transported or whatever. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. So tell me how you went from starting to be more invested in the piano. Like how did, how, how did you get from, you know, that to, uh, like finally becoming like a, a full-time musician. Yeah. So that's, that's a long journey. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and so, you know, I, I continued, you know, uh, in, in good faith, you know, trying to honor my mom doing all the classical music and, you know, found a couple of wonderful piano teachers to continue, you know, uh, after she passed away, you know, and in college, um, did you have like, were, did your teachers, um, like, was it, was it apparent to you that you had like an affinity? Like, did you rise to the top of like your piano studios? No, no okay. I was, you know, I, I was very lazy, okay. um, because as, as a composer, you know, I wanted to do, I wanted to just start writing music. Yeah, Composition was more, and, more and than again, passion. Exactly. And, and, you know, when you're at the university, you know, you're supposed to, you know, jump through all their hoops and for good reasons. Yeah. I'm not, um, wait, how did you start identifying as a composer? That feels like an important um, thing to yeah, tell. A very good question. So when I was, you know, 14, 15, I started to really make tunes. I, my mother composed too. Okay. And I wanted to, you know, compose a foreign and, concept and it was exactly. And, and I didn't think I was any good or anything, you know, um, uh, and never, ever looked at it that way. I just wanted to write to, just to compose and write pieces. Like, it's cool. I can write my own music. And so I started to play around and I was inspired by the great classics, you know, by yeah. Sergei Rachmaninoff and, um, you know, Chopin and, you yeah. know, all these wonder, you know, Franz Liszt. Liszt and, yeah. I was going to say a new list was coming. List has to be in there. You know, you can't <laughs> I felt exclude it list from... <laughs> The, you can't exclude list from the list, right? Exactly. So uh, I, I had like knew you were going to say list. I just like yeah. felt it. Yeah. Well, at the same time, I was, you know, really loving. Uh, I started to have an interest in engineering too, and you know, like you know, people like Quincy Jones and yeah. pop music, and I listened to a lot of hard rock, and so I mean, it was I was starting to diverge, you know, from just following this traditional classical path you know, listening yeah. to a lot of the Southern music. Um, so to make a long explanation as short and succinct as possible, um, I started to experiment with, you know, these, finding these artists that I really love and tried to, in a way, kind of emulate, mm. can I write stuff like them? And started coming up with some, what I thought were for me, you know, pretty cool things, you know, cool, cool. ideas and, you know, unique to what I'm doing. And were, were you recording and doing production like at the same time? Like were those ever separate? Those, it, it, the production came in a little later. Okay, so later. I would just sit okay. for hours at the piano. And okay. so I, I took out some score sheet or score paper and started writing down these ideas. 
I started coming up with some themes. By the time I was in high school, I had written a piano concerto. Cool. And I wrote the orchestral parts out and everything. And Jack wow. Ashton, he was the music uh, director, I guess, for the for the high school. And he also was an, he's an amazing, you know, uh, violist for the Utah Symphony at the time. Um, he's like, I heard you do this. And he would hear me playing piece, segments of it, you yeah. know, in the theater, you know, when nobody was around. I didn't yeah. want anybody to hear it, you know. Yeah. And, you know, he heard it and parts of it. He's like, would you want to play this for what they have this thing called concerto night um at the high school cool he's like would you want to perform this i said i'm sure about you know uh i'll try it you know i was nervous but at the same Uh, time i'm like this is cool you probably did you have did you feel like i'm not even sure if this will work yeah like the parts like i was very worried and i mean he he was so patient with me i mean speak of a mentor this this guy was really awesome he he took my, I gave him the score and he's like, well, we, let's double the, the violin parts here it. and just yeah. kind of helped me out just I so that. I love this story. Yeah. It's, it was, it, you know, someone comes in and they, they see that, Hey, this guy needs some help because I needed a lot of help then, you yeah. know, and, and, and he gave me this opportunity. So I performed it. Cool. And yeah, of course, you know, I, it's, it's a high school orchestra and, yeah. you know, and boy, I learned a lot from that, you know? Yeah. I, I just want to <laughs> say like a point out kind of for the listener, like this, t- this story that you just told is like, it, I find it an archetype. Like this type of story is told by so many of my guests. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know, the pieces that are in here are like, first we have this teenager, like a child who is having like like this is kind of a ballsy thing to do to like write a concerto. Like you have, I mean, you have to like to not have any adults kind of giving you permission or saying like, Hey, have you thought about writing for an orchestra? Mm -hmm. Like that is, that's visionary. That's kind of visionary, you know, for, for such a young person to be like, well, I play piano, but I will write for an orchestra. Like that's, that's big in and of itself. I I think, you know, I had this very, you know, it wasn't really reality, you know, That's and I, I learned said, a like lot it's from visionary. that. Yeah, and, I, yeah. and I think a lot of young artists are like this mm-hmm. and will be visionary in this way. So that's a piece, you know, that mm-hmm. that's a piece in and of itself. And then I think it's so necessary. I mean, certainly there will be some artists who will find their way mm-hmm. without a mentor, but to have a mentor who doesn't laugh at you, oh, who doesn't he, yeah. say, who do you think you are? Who doesn't say like, you don't know anything about writing for bassoon, mm-hmm. you know, but mm-hmm. who will say like, it's so wonderful that you have tried this right. here. Mm-hmm. Let me, mm-hmm. a person who knows some things mm-hmm. help you yeah, like it. bring this kind of, um, cert- like, so what is visionary, for a child is almost always going to be like a hot mess a little bit, mm-hmm. right? Like necessarily. <laughs> and so like as adults, we can be like, you're a hot mess, go away. Or we can say like, okay, this is kind of a hot mess, but how amazing that you've done this. Yeah. Let me help you mm-hmm. make it not yeah. a hot mess. He, he was, I think, critical to that because yeah, he that's exactly right. He mentored, he, he literally looked at it and probably inside he probably was really laughing because the way I wrote out the score it, parts. And, and of course, Mm-hmm. Like, and it, and I think it's, there's nothing wrong with an adult being like, this is very silly. Like mm-hmm. this mm-hmm. child doesn't know much of anything, mm-hmm. but, but, um, valuing that, that spark anyway. Mm-hmm. And I think exactly. we have, we are so 
bad at this in our culture. Yeah, I agree with that. We laugh mm-hmm. at young people mm-hmm. all the time. We laugh at people who are visionary. Mm-hmm. We tell them like, mm-hmm. come on, be serious. There's no right. way. Yeah. And it's so silly. Grow up, be a firefighter. Come on. And the, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> and that exactly, which is just like it, the levels of irony there are just, it's ridiculous, yeah, but nothing against firefighters, by uh, the but, way. <laughs> no, but I mean, I, of course, like, of course, but also nothing against composers yeah, right, right. Like, yeah. um, but but it's it would be so easy to look at you after having had this experience where you've learned these things and being like well this child deserves to do these things because he mm-hmm. knows how to do them and disregard the part of the story where someone really easily could have just been like grow up you don't know how to do that's a very things. good point and what would have happened if he would have just said, yeah, forget this, you know, or I didn't even get the opportunity, you know? Yeah. Like, yeah. How would that have affected the, you know, the, the outcome today? You know, what would we be having this conversation, you know? Mm -hmm. I I think I just like, I always want to advocate for the artist who doesn't have their shit together. (laughs) Like, I always want to advocate for this person because you just don't know, like what Mm -hmm. this could be. Mm -hmm. And like it, you risk nothing, you risk nothing by paying attention to investing in someone who's a hot mess, mm-hmm. they might they might figure it out and make something amazing. And if they don't, so what? Like, right. What have you right. lost? Right. But I think we're I yeah, think we're so bad that, at yep. we're mm-hmm. so bad at believing in people who mm-hmm. haven't figured out yet figured it out yet. Yeah. You know, and that's I agree with that, and and it does. You know, and it seems to be becoming a larger and larger problem, you know, and now the pressures of social media just, you know, complicate that, you know, exponentially, right? We expect perfection (laughs) from the very beginning, which is Mm -hmm. just, it's a ridiculous myth. It doesn't exist. Yeah. I mean, you have your prodigies occasionally, but it's a prodigy accounts for a fraction of a percent of the art that we love. Right. It's almost none Mm -hmm. of it. And in fact, frequently prodigy burns out. And they do. And and I, yeah. And I've. And I think a lot of the people that anything that comes out of anybody today, yeah, it's not prodigy material. I am by no very, means, very not even rarely. close. I'm far from that. I mean, there's people that just, I'm amazed by it. They just blow me away what they can do. Totally. But it's these, the people that have the drive, yeah. they have the passion, they want to do something, even if it's viewed by, you know, others as being a mess. Yeah. You know, they just want to silly try. or um, or silly or or, or vain or right. mm-hmm. self, you know. Exactly. Yeah. I don't know. And it's like yeah. it can be interpreted so many ways. Exactly. Right. You know, but these people, they for some reason, they they push through it. Yeah. Um, you and know, you may have anyway. Like, well, I don't yeah. know. I probably I, if I was discouraged, I might not have. Yeah. You know, because uh, it always it was already hard enough as right. it was, you know, where right. I was. And, you know, I, I didn't. You know, I didn't get a lot of the support until later, until a, you know, a wonderful woman, Gloria Firmage, came along and saw that this guy needs to go to a university. And mm-hmm. so she contacted the University of Utah. Wow. And I had an interview with, and they're like, wow, you've learned so much of this classical material. Where did you learn all this? I'm like, just my I mother. Just and, yeah. and so that was my second person that came wow. along as a mentor who just literally picked up the ropes yeah. for me. Yeah said, you need to do something with this. I want you to have the opportunity. You are a mess. 
Yeah, right? right? It's beautiful. Yeah. I like, yeah. I want to tell all of these stories because, mm-hmm. you know, my, like, again, artifice is a word that catches so many mm-hmm. things and mm-hmm. I mean it in all of the ways. It's why mm-hmm. we get to have yeah. all different kinds mm-hmm. of conversations. But one of my pet, my pet favorites <laughs> of the meaning of this word is this idea that, um, artists are undeniable. The talent's undeniable. It's bullshit. Like yes, there, yeah. <laughs> it's so, so rare that there's an undeniable talent. Like they happen mm-hmm. occasionally where like, you know, this person was just destined to be, but almost <laughs> right. always like this talent was deniable, was quite right. deniable mm-hmm. for years and years and years. Yeah. But people believed in it anyway. Yep. Mm-hmm. They they could mm-hmm. have denied it. They would have had every right to deny it. And they mm-hmm. chose not to. Mm-hmm. Um, whether that be the artists themselves, their parents, their mentors, mm-hmm. you know, whoever's believing in it chooses not to deny it, fosters it, believes in it until it kind of is undeniable. Yeah. But we, right. we mm-hmm. don't like that story. Mm-hmm. We don't like that story as a culture for whatever reason. Yeah, it is baffling. We that, like a Cinderella mm-hmm. story. Mm-hmm. We like an undeniable yep. talent. Yep. But, um, but I don't know. I feel like the, I feel like the, the, the very deniable talent that like manages to make it through is such a more, more, it's such a better story. <laughs> like it's such a cooler story. Right. Yeah. Because I think we, like we all love the surface reality stories yeah. of things and, you know, and, you know, as you know, we're so evolving as human beings and how we get to where we are in life and stuff. And we, we only see that, you yeah. know, end result or almost end result of a human being where yeah. we don't understand what it took for them to get there. Right. right. And right. that's, that's, I can see why this is, this is fascinating to me as well, yeah. you know, and you know, it's, it's really, it's so resilient. Yeah. There's so much, there's so many tiny, tiny stories of like hope mm-hmm. and love and care, mm-hmm. like along this pathway. So you made it to the university. Did you, were you, did you start out majoring in composition then? I did because okay. they said, well, you're, you're going to go into the music department, not composition, uh, performance. Piano so performance. they, okay. they, they saw me as a performer. Okay. They, and you know, and I guess, Piano performance is tough stuff. Oh, yeah. So I studied under, uh, her name was Gladys Gladstone, the same uh, teacher that taught my mother uh, and started. Uh, you know Andrew's mom majored in piano performance at oh, the I didn't U also? Know that. Okay. Yeah, Lori wow. Merrill. She was oh, okay. also. Wow. She, was, she would have been there in between you and your mom. Oh, neat. Wow. Yeah. I didn't. Anyway. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I wonder Small if they, world. yeah, I wonder if yeah. they, I'm you know, sure they probably I'm sure knew each other. I'm sure you guys have mm-hmm. mutual mentors somewhere yeah. along the line. Yeah. Well, that's, that's a small world. Yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> yeah. And so it, it was really tough and I'm pretty sure that, you know, Gladys Gladstone, you know, also she went by, uh, I called her Mrs. Rosenberg. Mrs. Rosenberg. That was her other name. Um, I don't know what, what the reasons for that, but Married name yeah, somewhere. or something, yeah. somewhere, somewhere. And yeah. I know she probably sitting there comparing me to my mother and mm-hmm. she's like, this guy is a mess. Yeah. But she was very patient with me wow. and, and, you know, and I wanted to do bite off much more than she's like, she honed me in and my wife has to do the same today. And she's okay, you, you need to learn this. You need to. And I yeah. did. And I'm so glad that she, wow. you know, she was very patient and worked on, um, you know, the Bach fugues, you know, and, and, yeah. and I wanted to learn all these big concertos. She's like, nope, you need to simplify. You need to, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So that was a really good uh, thing for me. Yeah. You know, I, after the first year, I started becoming very, and this maybe not the right word, but disillusioned with, sure. because it was performing and that wasn't 
where I wanted. Yeah. I wanted to be more in the composition side of things. Yeah. And they're like, well, your your scholarship is in this. And sure. they're like, well, you can take some of these classes. And I started taking language classes and then you know, doing things that also were very interesting uh, on sure. the outside of music. You know, yeah. I like to, you know, discover and I'm very adventurous. Right. And, um, you know, of course, you can tell that from having gone to France. But right. um, so that kind of got me a little bit into trouble with the university. Sure. Um, and how dare you take language yeah, classes? Yeah, and I started taking a, a couple computer programming classes oh, no. and started, oh, no. you know, so I kind of switched and. <laughs> yeah. That's funny. Changed my path, yeah. you know, uh, and all the while, you know, I enjoyed performing very much, you know, and the great professors up there and people that wanted to help me. Mm. Um, I think it was kind of my rebel years to really see, you know, do I again do what I am told by someone or do I, I think there has to be a little rebellion That's sometimes. That's creative too. In, yeah, in, in, in the music, in people that want to, and I had to do something about that. Yeah. So I talk I, about that with my university students all the time. Like mm -hmm. they're in such a tricky position because they're there to be students, mm -hmm. but it's also so necessary for them to learn which rules they want to follow, which rules they don't exactly to learn to mm -hmm. trust their own artistic yep. vision and their own mm -hmm. artistic voice. And those goals are really at odds. So yeah. it's tricky. It's a delicate balance. It is. It's, it's really hard because, you know, as time went on, I noticed, you know, I stopped taking music classes and started doing this on my own. Instead, I was taking computer classes, language classes, philosophy classes. And I was just, yeah, I guess I feel kind of guilty, but I was kind of exploiting the, you know, the, the scholarship. Yeah. And <laughs> I don't think you need to feel guilty about you know, that. The university has yeah. plenty of money. And the, yeah, I hope that's good because yeah. then I, you know, I started, I went to work for a dance studio cool. where it allowed me to have an outlet. Right. So I started playing percussion, drums cool. and improv. So I would get on the piano cool. and the dancers, they would say, okay, we need something that has this step. You know, this has got to be in, you know, four, four or whatever meter, you know, eight, seven, seven, four or whatever. Yeah. And so I started improving and it was such a free thing for me to do. Yeah. And I'm like, I love this and yeah. I'm getting paid for it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and yeah. so I would go to all the, the University of Utah, the dance department. I went to the children's dance theater. I started working for Ballet West, Ryrie cool. Woodbury. And, I interviewed and, on Daniel Sharon. Oh, nice. Sharon, who's there? Oh, that's yeah. a, that's great. He's that awesome. Was an enjoyable interview. I bet. Yeah. I, I bet I'll you'd like listen it. to that. Yeah. Um, and it was such a an outlet. It was so fun, and so I continued going to the university, but started doing all these things, cool. and I realized, okay, this is this is much more what I want to do. Yeah. You know, and I'd been writing music, you know, pieces and all this through this time. And I would even experiment sometimes with some of my music at cool. the dance. Nobody do. And they just, yeah. you know, and it was so exhilarating and so free yeah, and fun. And I realized I enjoyed working with people like that. Yeah. And that's where I, I started to see how much I like that, you sure. know, and the it, having an audience or having, yeah. even though they're there to dance and do their own thing, yeah, I, it, there was some... There was something totally. going on there, you yeah. know. It's, yeah, I totally know what you mean. Yeah. yeah. So how did you end up not doing music? So <laughs> I had, so I remember I mentioned Gloria Firmage. Yeah. Um, she helped me get in, but her son, uh, his, uh, Joseph Firmage, 
he had a very big business, a Sirius Corporation at the time. It's called Sirius after the star, Sirius, whatever. Okay. It was acquired by Novell Corporation. And he saw that I'm really, really trying to, you know, do something with this composition skills, you know. And by the I had a lot to learn. And he saw that and he's like, you know, I want to help you out. Cool. You, you write a bunch of music for, for my company uh, for Novell and, you know, he, he went on as one of the VPs for Novell, you know, after they acquired his company. And so, you know, in a way, I think it was kind of a charity project for him, Cool. but for me, it That's meant great. the world. Yeah. And, uh, so I wrote this music and sent it off to him and he, you know, get, purchased my equipment, my keyboard, wow. my, my mixing board. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. My mixing board and everything. And then, I, you know, he even, you know, we just barely bought our first house. I was working at Wagstaff Music, just completely broke, selling, you know, uh, sound reinforcement gear. And he, you know, covered the rest so that I was able to, you know, write this music in my free time, and which was amazing. So that in itself gave me another springboard to, so I'm, okay, I have someone who's willing to help me and pay me help support me so that I can produce music and that's when I started getting into engineering learning how to use mixing boards how to you know use computers and I bought he bought me a a Mac Performa you know that was the the generation at the time you know 80 80 megabytes of storage on the hard drive you know it's like wow I can't imagine what you do with such little one photo (laughs) exactly (laughs) <laughs> yeah. And, and so I used that with digital performer software or uh, the MIDI version of the software and started writing music on that and learning how to use a sequencer, a DAW mm. and mm. how to hook up keyboards and just started reading books after books. But at right. the same time, I was learning how to program computers. So I took right. computer classes. on right. So I had that gig, but then um, went to work for a company uh, to manage their databases. Cool. And I just started, and I noticed I kind of had a passion you kind like of for it, too. a knack yeah. and a skill for it, cool. you know, and knew how to, you know, write database code and normalize databases and create, you know, software and, cool. you know, so I just, and I realized oh, I can make a pretty decent living at this, cool. you know, and there was a high demand for it. So, you know, having a mentor like Joseph Firmage was necessary, you know, who believed in me, it yeah. sent a message, you know, there's people out here that believe in you and, yeah. you know, you're not alone, even though you're a mess with the music stuff. There's, I look at other people, they could criticize me left and right and tell me, you know, you're doing everything that's wrong in the book. And I probably am, yeah. you know, but they gave me a message. They sent me a message that, you know, this is, you're valuable. This is the, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I got this feedback from people and, and it was very, I think critical to my, um, you know, career, you know, and I, people loved my music at the dance studio. So I was in essence, you know, working a computer job, but also doing the dance studio, uh, you know, all the different dance studios. And and so I I kept one foot in the music world and one foot in the corporate programming world. And I was able to make enough money from that. And then that was used to, Invest back, invest in. back into the music so I can buy more equipment and, you know, and then I just started doing, you know, collaborations, you know, um, my first album came out in 2008, you know, 
with a lot of support from my wife and family and friends, mm-hmm. uh, they really believed in me and they're like, you just have to get this stuff out there, you know? And, you know, and of course, did I make any money from the time? No, not really, you know? Yeah. And, and, um, and then I had a second album that came out in 2010 and here I am working computers, you know, and working ancestry.com, yeah. um, you know, another, I worked at several computing companies, a consultant, um, you know, and I started noticing, you know, that I'm starting to get some money, from, some royalties. Mostly from, from Pandora? Yeah, mainly, yeah. and thanks to Pandora. I mean, yeah. they have been, without Pandora, um, it would have been um, impossible, I think, at this point. So one day um, I mailed in a, uh, a CD to Pandora, um, and they put me into some of these really big playlists they have, yeah. and it made all the difference. Yeah. And it took, you know, several years, but I was okay with that. Be- you know, I didn't have this, oh, I'm going to be this big musician yeah. that makes yeah. any money. You know, it it just happened organically over time yeah. where I started getting more and more spins on, you know, the social media sites like Pandora. And Pandora has been, you know, I, I'm mainly a, you know, solo pianist and, a, and orchestral writer uh, and it's really hard to really classify my music into this genre or that sure. genre. It doesn't really fit, but Pandora has this, you know, lucrative low place for, you know, piano musicians, yeah. piano writers and cool. performers that they put a lot of effort into solo piano music and relaxing music. Yeah. And so my stuff fit really well. My stuff would play on the, you know, their playlist with Enya and all these other yeah. Very, very successful, contemporary, you know, modern. New age. New age and, you know, even classical and classical crossover genres. And so it just started generating. That's awesome. Yeah. I was like, I can't believe this. This is great. I just kept writing music for music's sake, right? Put out, when when was the next album out? So the 2010 and the next one was in 2015, which was One Journey. Cool. And um, that was my album the big of, one yeah the big for life and my adventure and has all the stories of you know all, all these all the songs are about storytelling they all had cool. something very important to say cool. about that but it's it's the fact that the the modern world with social media even though it's sometimes the bane of our existence it it really the the streaming world changed everything for me yeah. it made it so that i can continue and it just reinforced that there there are there's an audience out there for me there's people that do like my music yeah. started receiving all kinds of emails and things at the time and you know your music's beautiful you have the you know i've had there were people they were you know going to take their life and they're like you gave me hope i'm yeah. really wow wow it just yeah. it's so humbling you know two questions how did you like have the kind of courage to keep going before you started seeing that success? I'll just ask that one and then. No, very, the very one. good question. I, I just loved doing the music because I already knew because people believed in like Joseph Firmage, Gloria Firmage, yeah. Jack Ashton, and these, my wife especially, yeah. who just supported me through this whole thing. Did you ever feel like um, kind of silly or like naive? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I sometimes question that today. Like, yeah. I'm like, what am I, how, sometimes I think, is this, is this even real? You yeah. know, how, Ugh. what, you know, how did, it's almost like I, it's because people believed in me yeah. 
you know, and of course I had to do my part and do a lot of hard work and, and persevere through it. And you know, continue writing, burning the midnight oil. You know, I remember yeah. having a hot tub and sitting out there hours and hours at night, you know, 12, one and two in the morning. Oh, I got an idea going and yeah. write it down. And, you know, everybody else was sleeping and, you know, um, and, That's you awesome. know, but I think it's because of other people. I attribute anything that, you know, any success I have, you know, other than the effort I've done is because they've always believed in me and they, I've had this support of, yeah. and I'm so grateful for it. Being there for you when you have those frail moments. Exactly. Cool. You know, cool. and especially, especially my wife, she, she knows that this is so important to me and, you awesome. know, and now, you know, our daughter's in the same, you yeah. know, as you know, um, so, so brilliant, you know, and I'm hoping she can get the same love. We try to be there for her to help her so we yeah. can get her first album released. She but. feels undeniable to me. <laughs> so, oh, well, you're so awesome. I Thank hope you. other people see that too. I mean, yeah. yeah I Cause I mean, I, when I, cause for the listener, I started teaching Ryan's daughter Asia when she was 12. Um, and just was like, what is this child? <laughs> like such a gorgeous voice. And just like, I don't know. She had just such incredible instincts for storytelling. She would go there in a mm-hmm. way that a lot of young people don't. Um, and then, yeah, to see her, like to see her go to get accepted to Wild, So cool. And then I never heard her original music until like you guys moved back. And mm-hmm. I just, it's so incredible. Like, oh, I mean, you. I feel like just as a singer, like she's incredible. Like if she had wanted to go to Broadway and, and not ever write anything, um, and only sing and storytell, no. incredible as well. Um, thank but yeah, her much. original thank music you. is just stunning. It's breathtaking. Oh, I'm so excited you. about it. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm amazed too. She, you know, the way she comes up with the lyrics and everything. So, you know, I'm putting a lot of my time now into, Helping her produce, helping her, her produce, you know, and, and it, it's, I'm going to learn a lot from it. Yeah, you know, yeah. I make a lot yeah. of mistakes, you know, but I hope I can learn, you know, it's not too catastrophic that, it's you know, I regret it, but type of thing. It is, it's, it's yeah. totally cool. new for me, but it's very refreshing for me. It's exciting, you know, and she's teaching me a lot. She's like, you got to, you know, get out of your old, yeah, way, you know, exactly. Yeah, and you've cool. got to, you have to reinvent yourself. You have to, yeah. and you know, so I think I'm I thinking love that the two of you are working together on that. That's really cool. Oh, thank you. I, I think she's becoming my, you know, someone who believes in me, yeah. right? <laughs> she oh, has to believe in me it. so I, I can help it. her. But <laughs> that's so incredible. That's so, that's, that's like, that's love. That's yeah. like, that's like real love. Yeah. Um, and then my second question was, how did you decide to quit your job? That's so scary. It is. It was very scary. But in, you know, in 2015, um, you know, w- I was making enough of a consistent, I guess, stream of royalties, you know, to, yeah, it was a, it was a major pay cut. Yeah. But I wanted to continue doing, um, you know, because I loved computers. I still do to this day. Yeah. Um I wanted to continue to be able to put more effort into, into music and into, um, my next phase in life. We wanted to travel much more, you know, although the job is great, it does constrain us in a way that, and, and, you know, I'm always looking for a new frontier, right. Or traveling and doing things that, you know, we can, um, have excitement in. And so I quit and I, you know, it's, 
what what do I have to lose? You know, if things go south quickly, uh, you know, or, you know, I can always go back and get another job. Right. Right. But I think I would regret if I stayed there and played too comfortably, I would add regrets. This was my chance to go do something, you know, so. Well, and having Cindy and your kids believe in you, like, what do you have to lose? I mean, you, Mm -hmm. all the people that you love most believe Mm -hmm. in you. Uh, yeah. I mean, that's pretty, that's pretty, it's pretty beautiful. Cause I think there could have, there probably are, are a lot of people in a similar position whose, you know, immediate family members that weren't as fortunate. No, you're right. Believe in them. Yeah. And yeah, I think that's actually more common than, than less. And, yeah. You know, um, it's, it's unfortunate, you know, and I think these people, it might just take them longer, but if they, they continue mm-hmm. to write music for music's sake, you know, um, you say, do you listen to your own voice, what you want to do, or do you listen to all the voices from mm-hmm. your conditioned past? Right. You should do this. You should do this. Of course, you're going to, if you want to listen to those voices, go ahead. Yeah. But you have to, I think your internal locus of control has to say, I need to do what's important for me. Totally. And maybe I would have succumbed. I don't know, yeah. you know, but I, I've had a lot of support. And I well, think, it's great that you have it. Yeah, yeah, and it makes all the difference, I think, for anybody that yeah. wants to, especially now more than ever, it is so much more, it's so difficult to write an album, produce it, get it mastered. Yeah. Because, you know, 20 years ago, you had the record labels, you know, yeah. who did most of this so the artists could just sit back and be creative, yeah. right? They did the marketing, they did the concerts yeah. you know their manager took care of all these you know all yeah. those people are literally it's now do it yourself and build your website build your yeah you know right. yeah exactly <laughs> it's like if you want to be an artist today yeah. you're you know an independent you know and you're yeah. not for most people yeah. they they have you know but a lot of these things are easier to do too now thanks to yeah. social media yeah. and all those other things um it's a lot easier on one hand, but very difficult on the other hand, because you're having to play all these roles. Yeah. And if you don't know how to mix music, you need to hire an engineer that does. Right. If you don't know how to record it, you need to find a recording studio that can do it for you. Yeah. You have to, you know, and then still, it doesn't, even if you know how to do those things, you still need to rely on those. You still need a team of yeah. people that can help you with things, you know? And so that's, it's, it's a harder world in, in that sense today. Yeah. And just, we have, we're so saturated. It's, I think, I think the courage that it takes a young artist to believe in themselves is just, it's off the charts. Like, like I watched a documentary about Kate Bush a while ago Mm -hmm. and she was such a little weirdo, you know, like (laughs) there's no way that she would have had success now. Like, Mm -hmm. and Kate Bush is brilliant and like genre, genre changing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, but like, you know, the songs that she was writing as a teenager when she was signed by the same record label that I think had Pink Floyd, mm-hmm. um, you know, to be- for, for that record label to believe in that weird girl. Mm-hmm. Very eccentric. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like that would never happen now because mm-hmm. there's there's so many people who are like right in the mainstream, mm-hmm. you know, I don't just just backward. And I don't know. Like I worry sometimes about like how easy it will be for our for us now to miss out on someone visionary like Kate Bush, because we have too many people who like 
sound it's dime a dozen exactly yeah, like there's... whoever's famous right mm-hmm. now mm-hmm. yeah and like it, the it, divert the divergence yeah like divergence mm-hmm. is not rewarded Mm-mm. Mm-mm. um which is just like it's a pity and then we just get like a we just get so saturated with like so much of the same that when we see something divergent we don't even know how to process it yep mm-hmm. uh I don't know. It's very, it's, no, it's, it it's me out. Yeah, it is because, you know, the, the digital age, you know, the information, exponential information explosion that's happened today is not just on the internet, but like you said, with, with all these artists, you have anybody and everybody wants to be a famous singer now. Yeah. Uh, and they all are clamoring for your attention, you yeah. know, and here I am, listen to this, listen to this. And you're just bombarded by stuff left yeah. and right. And it's so hard to know. Whereas, you know, it was easier when I was a child. I could just walk into a record store. And the cool feeling of just being able to walk in there and go, this is what I, you know. And it's Well, one thing that I've thought about is like we had to really listen because there, Mm -hmm. we, you -hmm. know, if you committed to buying a record, like, or buying a CD, you know, maybe the first time you listen to it, you're like, I don't know. But Mm -hmm. it's the only one you have. And like you just bought one new one and like, you're you you're just probably gonna listen to it like five times anyway, <laughs> yep. and then maybe by the fifth time you're like, okay, now wait. <laughs> like we just we had to have patience yep. in a way mm-hmm. that we don't anymore. Yep. Um. Mm-hmm. So if you hear something divergent, it could be brilliant, but if on the very first listen you're just like, I don't get it, you're not gonna ever listen again. The end. Yeah. Which is just like, oh, it stresses me out so much. So I don't know. Hopefully we can. It is interesting, though. Like you can see this happening with like TV, like HBO, mm-hmm. um, AMC making shows that are divergent that you can you can tell like our culture is hungry for it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I think with music, it's like, I don't know. I don't know what it will be, but it feels like something needs to happen for people to remember like, oh, I like things that are different. Um, I don't know. I feel like it's possible, but who knows how it will happen. Yeah. I think it's already starting to happen. Uh, And and I hope so, you know, with, you know, it's, you know, with the rise of TikTok and some of these other platforms, they're, they're making things organic in terms of how you share things instead of just blasting everything and having one source that's pushing everything out. So I think that's, that might help people because then they're going to share like stuff that they're, they're you know, wanting, you know, yeah. as a culture, if you want to put it that way. Totally. Um, so yeah. Is there anything you want to say about your time in France? What you learned, uh, being a musician outside oh, of America? Wow. Yeah. It's France was such an awesome adventure. And I mean, I, I tell my family and everybody else, half of my heart is still there. It's, you know, they, they view music, you know, in that organic fashion much yeah. more, it seems than people do here. I and, think so. and, and they seem to appreciate the more organic approach to art. Yeah. Uh, and that's why, you know, I love doing the small amount of, you know, charity concerts there and things because of that, you know, they appreciate that, yeah. you know, it doesn't have to be this big, huge, we're very polished, right. mm-hmm. in America, yeah. corporate yeah. driven, you know, and in a sense. Um, and so that was enjoyable, but just the adventure of being able to travel and, it, I think, renewed my inspiration, Good. you know, but then at some point, like you just said, we have to come back to our roots. Mm-hmm. We have to, with music, everything we do, we have to come back to our roots. And so part of the next project I'm doing is inspired by this whole adventure of France, but having cool. to move back here to America because 
the pandemic, because my father was diagnosed with Alzheimer's and then passed away. I mean, it's just been a tumultuous mm -hmm. year, but it's like coming back to our roots, to our families. And in a way, it's a renewal of the, of my art. I have to come back to my roots too, because as musicians, we all like to branch out and explore new things and experiment with new sounds and new ideas and palettes and colors of instruments and mm. technology and everything. Attach them back to that tree. Put them back yeah. to that tree. Come back, yeah. come back to simplicity. What, what, what caused all of that in the first place? So that's kind of, uh, the, kind of the motivation and inspiration for this next yeah, album. I'd I'm love to hear about it. Do you, do you want to talk more about it? Well, it's, it's in its infancy at this point, but I'm looking to do uh, a set of, of simpler piano, just solo piano, cool. very different than my previous projects where there's a lot of orchestration and all kinds of layers and sounds yeah. and things in it. Uh, and, and just have a collection of songs, you know, that are very simple, almost back to like inspired from my childhood cool, in a way, cool. one for my dad to celebrate his life, you know, one yeah. for my roots, right. Uh, yeah. Just to celebrate the simplicity of things, you know, so we've expanded and now I'm coming back to, cool. to that. So, you know, is there anything the you want to share about like what you're kind of like dealing with as an artist lately? Like, um, you know, in terms of these more philosophical things, like any kind of ideas that are in your mind about what it is that you're doing or it's okay if there aren't, but are there, are there things you're yeah, kind of I, I mulling around? Yeah I'm, all, yeah, I'm always, you know, on the analytical side, mulling certain things around, you know, and I think that, uh, you know, sometimes I've become a little more critical about what I write, putting a lot more um, thoughts into making sure that it is in line with, you know, like structurally, structurally yeah. and, you know, and also, you know, beautiful to listen to, but, you know, because there are a dime a dozen, you know, yeah. artists out there, like we were talking about yeah. earlier, you know, it's, you know, coming up with stuff that I feel is, um, worthy for myself as well as for the listener, because I have to, I have an audience that I have to please. Yeah. And I mean, they're really, it's the audience, you know, I don't want to be that recluse painter that hides my paintings right. in the garage. I yeah. want to share those with people, cool. even though it is a vulnerable side of me that has to be shared. People yeah, may not like it. It's like a new, I, I, I don't know that I'd thought about like that, that way, but to have, you know, this kind of new phase of your career where like, you know, kind of who your audience is and like, mm -hmm. what do, what does this group of people like deserve from mm -hmm. me? Like what, what do I kind of, um, you have to like rise to the occasion of like what they like need from you. Yeah. That's but at cool. the same time, I don't want to lose sight of why I'm doing music right. you know, yeah. for music's sake alone. I can alone, see that right? being like a very tricky a, balance. Mm -hmm. Cool. It is. Cool. So yeah, we'll have to have you back once you've like, uh, you know, <laughs> figure that out. Yeah. <laughs> we'll see how that turns out. Well, I think we've <laughs> kind of, wood. <laughs> yeah, I th we've needed to knock on wood a few times in this conversation. <laughs> um, I always ask everybody at the end, on this day, what's your dream collaboration? And it could be like mixed media, but is there anybody who you'd love to work with? Oh, wow. <laughs> That's a real hard question because there are so There's many so musicians many. that inspire yeah. me. Um, and so I... You build have, a team if you want. Yeah. You know, and right now I'm lucky to be able to collaborate with my daughter. And Amazing. that is the biggest gift of all, to be able to do this project with Asia, which, you know, she goes by Artie. 
and hopefully I'm, so, I'm going to say maybe March timeframe, hopefully we can have things far enough long to be able to release those. You know? I cannot wait. I'm so excited. No, that's, can't what, wait. that's what a beautiful answer. That's yeah. so cool. <laughs> I'm collaborating with, uh, a song right now by uh, from Jennifer Thomas. So we're doing a song together and cool. that's been very rewarding. And oh, that's then um, we may have Glenn Gabriel will probably come in and orchestrate cool. it. You're so already she's, doing your dream collaborations. It's fun. Yeah. It's, awesome. it's, it's really enjoyable. So, you know, cool. And then finally, where can people find your music? So yeah, Ryan Stewart music.com or they can go to Pandora.com if they're in the U S if they're outside of the U S and go to Spotify, okay. just type in Ryan Stewart cool man awesome ryan thanks so much it was great no, to get thank to you for having me better. it's my it's pleasure, been a pleasure. <laughs> thanks Thanks for listening to Artifice. Our theme song is As You Are from My Album Masks with artwork and merch designs by Sarah Keel. If you'd like to recommend a professional artist for an interview on the podcast, you can reach me through my website, emilymerrellmusic.com. That's E-M-I-L-Y-M-E-R-R-E-L-L-Music.com. And don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. Thanks again. Have a great week.